0: Hello, and welcome to FinTech Bytes, a podcast series from CMS, in which we will discuss and provide insight into some of the latest technology and regulatory developments, market trends, and issues affecting FinTech and innovation in financial services.
1: Hello, and welcome to this episode of the CMS FinTech Bytes podcast series. My name is Yasmin Johal, and I am a lawyer in the financial services team at CMS London and a member of the CMS FinTech Practice Group. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Areeb Siddiqui, founder and CEO of Kestrel, which is an award-winning finance app that makes it easy for Muslims to budget, save and invest in line with their values. I'm also delighted to be joined by Shaquille Adli. Who is a partner at CMS and head of Islamic finance at CMS? In today's podcast, we will be exploring the role that fintech plays in Islamic finance, and I'm very excited to be speaking to two subject matter experts in these areas. In this podcast, we are going to focus on various things, including the role fintech plays within Islamic finance within the UK. We'll find out a bit more about Kestrel and how it is innovating the fintech landscape. Um, And we can also find out a bit more about what we can expect in the future for the Islamic finance market and the wider ESG market. So, Shaquille, starting off with you, um, what is Islamic finance and what role does it play in the UK market?
0: Thanks, Jasmine. Um, Islamic finance, in broad terms, describes financial products and services that are offered in accordance with Sharia principles. The key principles which govern Islamic finance include avoiding the payment of riba, which is most commonly taken to mean interest, ensuring that transactions do not involve impermissible activities or industries such as alcohol, armaments and pork, avoiding speculation and uncertainty, ensuring contracts are entered into on a fair basis without there being duress, and also with risk being shared between the parties. In the UK, Islamic finance dates back to the 1980s when the UK's first Islamic bank, namely Al-Baraka International, launched in 1982. It was only in the early 2000s that the industry started to grow significantly, in part due to the UK government taking active steps from a legislative perspective to create a level playing field between Islamic finance and its conventional counterpart. In 2022, we find ourselves in a position where almost all conventional financial services and products which are available in the UK are also being offered in a Sharia compliant manner, whether that be the financing commercial real estate, home purchase plans, investment products, or treasury instruments.
1: Great, that's really exciting. Um, so Areeb, what role does FinTech play in Islamic finance?
2: So I think... There's the role that fintech should be playing in Islamic finance and the, and the role that it is currently playing. So fintech is growing in popularity and in importance throughout the conventional financial world. Unfortunately, it's taken a little bit longer for that to play into Islamic finance, uh, whereby Muslims who are majority, uh, a majority younger group, you know, more than 50 percent of them being uh, below the age of, of 30, 35, uh, they inherently want a better user experience when it comes to their finances. So it's definitely growing, uh, playing a a much larger role in the lives of Muslims all around the world, especially we're seeing that in the case of how they access investments. Um, As Muslims are are getting uh, access to more and more disposable income, the question becomes then how can they achieve their goals in a quicker and more timely fashion? And investing seems to be the way to go. Wahid Invest was sort of the pioneer when it comes to uh, Islamic fintech. When everyone thinks of Islamic fintech, they think of Wahid Invest, which is a major Islamic finance focused robo-advisory tool, which launched launched about five, six years ago. They've increased their reach significantly in Southeast Asia with about 150,000 active users today. And the popularity of other investment-related apps, including stock screening tools, is also evident. It's by far our most popular product on on the Kestrel app today as well. Now, there's also a clear gap within the banking space, which uh, exists today. There's no clear major digital banking player which is coming to fill the space, which, of course, begs the question whether an Islamic digital bank is really solving a, going to solve a real customer need in any way or whether Muslims are just happy using uh, the existing conventional banking routes.
1: Great. That's really, really interesting. and Actually, I think that's a, a, that leads me to the next question. What is Kestrel? What are you
2: trying to achieve? Yeah. Uh, so Kestrel is... Uh, We call ourselves the Muslim Money App. Uh, We are a personal finance app for Muslims, helping them to grow their wealth and achieve their goals without having to compromise on their religious beliefs, which, as Shaquille talked about, involves avoiding interest and other activities deemed to be unethical. So we do that by helping Muslims uh, with every stage of the personal financial journey, from budgeting uh, to building an emergency fund, saving for their short term goals and investing for their longer-term goals. Um, it all really started a, a few years ago when uh, my good friend, dying Turmizi, asked me when we were studying for an MBA at the University of Cambridge together, he asked me, why don't I use an Islamic bank? Uh, he's from Malaysia, where Islamic banking is, is pretty much the norm. Uh, and the truth was, I sort of ummed and ahed and said, well, my parents signed me up for Barclays when I was 16, and, and you know we don't really have a good alternative. But the truth was, I didn't really know and that question is what led us down this journey of, you know, we're surveying 1,500 Muslims in the UK to understand what their, their pain points were and what they should be doing. So ultimately launching an app which now serves thousands of Muslims in the UK and also around the world today.
1: Oh, great. That, that's, that's really interesting. Um, and I think you mentioned about the app and the various features. So could you tell me a bit more about where Kestrel is in terms of its journey in the UK?
2: yeah, of course. So we also we started out with our very first product um, almost two years ago, which was our budgeting tool. Our budgeting tool is an open banking enabled uh, product. So whatever bank account you're using, whether it's Monzo or HSBC or Barclays, you can plug that straight into the Kestrel app. We'll then take your uh, your your income and your expenditures to build a bespoke budget just for you, telling you how much you should be spending on Essential. Uh, Expenditures, how much is non essential, and how much you can and really should be saving every single month. Uh, We've also introduced a Sharia compliant investment marketplace where you can go on there and take a look at a whole range of different investment assets which are uh, independently Sharia compliantly authenticated. So, whether you want to invest into property or gold or speak to a financial advisor, you can do that through our app. Uh, Our latest service is a stock screening tool which allows you to. See whether individual stocks and shares from from companies are Sharia compliant or not to invest in. So that's our latest product. And we're looking forward to launching a uh, savings product, a savings tool, which we call the Kestrel Eggs uh, in Ramadan.
1: Oh, Reeb, that sounds great. There's so many different offerings that are available um, on the Kestrel app. Um, and, you know, I understand that you're mainly focused on a B2C market. Do you have any um, ambitions or any future products around uh, B2B or are you looking to expand in that field?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, it's a clear gap in the market that we noticed whereby um, you know a lot of fintechs are really fighting this, the good fight and trying to reach out to customers directly on the ground, uh, appealing to them through a variety of marketing methods. However, we all lack the, the, the massive capital and also, I think um, some of the gravitas that comes with just being a large banking institution that has been around for a number of a number of decades. So it's it's been our ambition to work with some of the biggest Islamic banks in the world to help with them, uh, where they bring the capital and we can bring the tech, the technology and the technical know-how to actually um, bring their existing products more into the fintech sphere, making them more accessible to a younger user base. And um, I'm happy to announce that. We have uh, uh, just partnered with a major Malaysian bank called Bank Islam, where we'll, we'll be working with them to launch their own digital app for their for their users, which is powered by Kestrel's technology.
1: I read that sounds very exciting and it looks like Kestrel's offering, you know, a whole host of products. Um, so definitely, you know, an app to watch. My question is, you know, I know you're very much focused on B2C at the moment. What are the ambitions or what do you have in the pipeline to target and serve the b2b market
2: yeah it's a a really good question um so historically islamic fintechs have always gone directly to the users very very b2c focused which is very time intensive uh very cost heavy when it comes to marketing uh for relatively little reward in terms of in terms of each individual user so you really need mass market appeal uh to be looking to move towards profitability um, and now, we always saw a gap in the market when it comes to the large banking institutions who have been around for a while, a few decades. They have the gravitas associated with that. They often have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, of users. Um, so, but what they've really, really lacked is a good user experience, a, a good technology offering, whether it's in the form of an app or in, in some cases even a website. So uh, I'm really, really pleased to announce that we partnered with a large Malaysian bank called Bank Islam. Uh, where we will be using our technology and our technical know-how to provide them with a, a digital banking app to provide their existing users with uh, access to their products more easily um, and also bringing some of our algorithms and our APIs to introduce some of our own products to, to that market, to a completely new market we haven't had access to before in Southeast Asia. So everything from budgeting solutions to savings uh, in a smart way into different goal-associated pots Uh, something we're really excited to do i think this is um, a really cool sphere we haven't really seen uh, a fintech partnering with a a large institutional in in this region before Uh, so we're really really excited to be breaking new ground here and i think it's in part due to um, us having a large malaysian presence already Uh, my co-founder is malaysian Uh, we have a 16 person team of which 12 people are are based out of malaysia Um, so we've been sowing the seeds for this for for quite a while um, business has done very, very differently in that part of the world, so it, it took some time. Uh, but, but thankfully, we're we're pleased to announce that this will be going ahead, and hopefully, it will indicate a, a slight strategic change in what we're doing going forward. We always want to focus on a B two C market and and developing our own app. However, I think by working together with with large institutions such as Bank Islam, that's a way we can really implement real change um, in the Islamic finance industry as a whole.
1: Great, Arir, well, congratulations, that's brilliant news. And I, d- I definitely think, you know, there's, there's there's a benefit in having access to both B2C and B2B. So very, very excited to follow the journey and see the success of this, um, this uh, partnership. So congratulations again. Thank you. Um, I know obviously we looked at what Kestrel is doing and we've kind of looked at the Islamic finance market more generally. And Shaquille, I have, I have a question to you, actually, because I mean, you're a leader in this space. Um, in, your, in your view, how is fintech disrupting the commercial wholesale Islamic finance market? And what things have you seen um, over the last few years uh, changing because of fintech?
0: I think fintech has and continues to disrupt financial markets globally. And it's particularly prevalent in the Islamic space where huge advances are being made. To give an example of this, Abu Dhabi Islamic Bank have recently launched Amwali, a digital bank, which is the world's first Islamic digital bank targeting youth between the ages of 8 to 18. Um, I know when picking up on a point that Adeeb uh, made earlier, sorry, um, when in the UK you open up your first bank account, you usually do that between the ages of 16 to 18. Here you've got a bank offering accounts from the ages of 8, which is very impressive. Likewise, in the UK, uh, the UK, interestingly, has surpassed Malaysia as the number one destination for startup Islamic fintech firms. There's a greater awareness of Islamic fintech, which is helping to contribute to an ever-growing number of participants who are broadening out Islamic finance from its traditional focus on real estate to other asset and investment classes, including venture capital.
1: Great, Shaquille, thanks. That's really interesting, and you're seeing a lot of disruption in this space. Um, Uh, within Islamic finance and I imagine kind of more more widely in other aspects of the financial markets and then I think you know leading on from that what are are your views on wider ESG um, and the ethical finance angle?
0: I think there are very significant overlaps between Islamic finance and ESG principles and I think they ought to be public publicized to a great degree uh, the complementary nature of the financing types types has, for example, been shown, particularly in the fund space, where both Schroders and Maybank have launched funds recently, which have embraced both Sharia and ESG principles.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, to to follow on from that, there are absolutely overlaps between between the two. Um, there are, you know, Islamic finance is beholden to a certain set of ethical principles principles avoiding interest, but also certain prohibited activities such as gambling, alcohol, weapons, tobacco, which uh, many of which would fall out of the purview of, of ESG initiatives as well, which is very focused on social justice and avoiding inequality and the like. I think where they differ to an extent is whilst Islamic finance is very clearly codified and has a set, uh, set rule book, ESG is getting to that point. I know that there are different regulations which are starting to talk about it. Um, I think MIFID is, is starting to make uh, make some some strides towards that and and other other markets too, um, but it's not really as as defined as well as Islamic finance is. But I think there's a lot of learning opportunities from from both sides. I think um, from ESG from ESG's perspective, getting a, a full set definition as to what ESG actually is uh, as a framework would be absolutely the the place to be moving towards. Uh, from what Islamic finance can actually learn from from ESG is that, I think. From an Islamic finance perspective, there's a big focus on box ticking almost. So for a company to be Sharia compliant to invest in, it needs to have Sharia compliant business activities, which means that it's making money uh, from Sharia compliant sources. So avoiding tobacco, weapons, that kind of thing. It also has to be um, uh, ticking the box for financial activity. So avoiding interest bearing debt and interest bearing investments and certain levels of liquidity need to be avoided as well. But then there's a, another aspect which isn't pretty looked at right now, which is the ethical activity, whereby a company could be ticking the boxes from a business perspective and a financial perspective, but it could be running a sweatshop, which whilst it might be on the face of it, uh, Sharia compliance, it's obviously something which we need to ask ourselves as investors, whether that's something we want to be associated with. And it's something I don't think Islamic finance does too well right now. But obviously, ESG and the mantra of it is very set up to, to try and focus on. Um, so I think there's lessons to be learned on both sides from each other
1: thanks Shaquille and areeb some you know some really interesting points um that you've both mentioned and I think from the regulatory aspect areeb I know you mentioned miFId um and, and I agree there is a lot of regulatory focus in terms of new regulation at a UK and EU level around sustainability but also more widely around the ethical aspects of governance social responsibility the FCA is very much kind of active in this space, uh, as well as the PRA, with regards to assessing firms at, you know, at authorization, but also on on an ongoing basis, to see how are they meeting, you know, all aspects of ESG um, metrics. Um, And I think that's definitely going to be something that's going to um, be within, you know, the the regulator's purview uh, as time goes on. Um, And my next question to, to both of you, and perhaps Shaquille, you can take this first, is around kind of the opportunities and the challenges for Islamic finance from a fintech or financial services angle over the next 12 months.
0: So I would say I think there's three key factors which can be both opportunities and challenges for Islamic fintech. The first of those is regulation, and the second is is product suite, and the third is actually to do with reputation and reputational risk. So dealing with the first of those, regulation plays an incredibly important facilitatory role for fintech, and regulators globally need to be alive to the great strides being made in the Islamic fintech space and the benefits that that brings to the broader economies of those states which have taken steps to facilitate Islamic finance. It's incumbent in this regard for Islamic fintech practitioners to ensure that they make their case with regulators, With respect to the second point, the product suite needs to continue to develop and evolve if Islamic fintech is to be a genuine alternative and challenger to conventional finance. The third to deal with reputational risk is there have been a fairly high profile news story of late to deal with Wahid, which Areeb mentioned earlier. Wahid were very much the pioneers, but often with the pioneers, you find challenges in how organizations operate and i think with the recent find that wahid have had levied up upon them it's really important for any learning experiences to be learnt, and for those learning experiences not to uh, apply to the broadly the islamic fintech space
2: i'd have to agree with shakir on, on on all those points uh, especially the last one it's it's kind of bittersweet that you know to be a pioneer you do have to move fast and break things but at the same time it's very hard to not run into issues with the regulatory body and they're not the the first fintech to have done that, and I'm sure they certainly uh, won't won't be the last uh, for sure. But yeah, I, I do have to agree on on all points. Um, I think a, a couple of clear barriers for Islamic fintechs uh, specifically are. Well, number one is something that that we deal with on a on a near constant basis, which is finding viable funding channels, where solutions aren't actually considered too niche by Muslim uh, by non-Muslim investors. And too foreign or, or too forward thinking by traditional muslim investors who favor more brick and mortar uh, type physical physical type projects but thankfully through through you know just the passage of time these types of projects are becoming more and more familiar and, and more the norm so we're seeing an uptick in uh investors or potential investors from different regions where we weren't previously southeast asia and the middle east specifically i think another thing uh, also to mention with. Uh, reference to what what's going on with Kestrel and, and Bank Islam right now is that I think the real way forward, the real way of seeing true innovation, to Shaquille's point about seeing true product innovation, is for the fintechs with the technology the technology and, and the know-how to actually partner with the larger uh, existing institutional firms which have been around, have the capital to deploy, and are looking and are hungry for those, those newer, younger users. I don't think all Islamic finance um, institutional firms are in that position or, or maybe interested in that but there are a few of them uh, around the world and, and i'd encourage anyone listening who's in islamic fintech or on the other side and in a large islamic bank to be more forward thinking and and to consider a, a partnership rather than thinking you can just do it all yourself because we thought that and um you know it's, it's a hard slog trying to do it on your own great
1: thanks both looks like It's a very exciting time to be in the Islamic finance market and especially as a fintech. Um, Kestrel seems to be really disrupting the space and I'm definitely going to be checking it out and seeing what the app can offer. Areeb, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they do this?
2: Yeah, so you can, uh, the best way is to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just search my name, Areeb Siddiqui. Uh, You can follow Kestrel on LinkedIn over there as well. Otherwise, you can drop us an email at info at kestrel.io.
0: Again, I'm available and contactable via LinkedIn and also uh, via the CMS website, which is cms.law.
1: Thanks, both. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed our interview today with Reeb Siddiqui from Kestrel and Shaquille Adley, Head of Islamic Finance at CMS. If you want any further details around this topic or any of the points that we discussed in this podcast, then you can contact either me or Dan and our details are linked below. We also frequently publish thought leadership on this area. Um, And if you'd like to get in any more information on this, please feel free to contact us or you can go onto our FinTech Twitter page, which is also linked below.